Today's reading is from Matthew 2, 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people, chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you for bringing us here this morning. We thank you for bringing us into a new year. Um, And we just pray now that you will help us to hear what you have to say to us today. And we pray for Pastor Matthew that you'll speak through him to us today as well. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Good morning, church. My name is Matthew. I'm one of the pastors here, if you didn't hear me the first time. Uh, glad that you're here. Look, look I, um, I've said this before. This is not, this is not new. I, I, I love new starts. I, uh, ahead of 2020, um, I put in an order for Amazon for brand new journals. I'm all good with, jur- I'm ready for a new journal, Bo- and I got, di- I got two different ones because they serve two different purposes. One is my prayer journal. The other is just where I take random notes in staff meetings or doodle when I'm in a conversation that I'm like, I don't know how much longer this is, I'll just draw stuff. So I got two new fresh journals ready about that. I even got some new tape because I thought my tape dispensers are low. I need some new tape. I love new starts. I went, I didn't buy myself uh, new clothes. I went to Target the other day and bought my daughter some new clothes because I like new clothes. It's a new year. I feel like she should have a new, uh, some new gear to go to school. I just, I, I like a uh, new, I just, I like a new calendar. I like just sort of the, you know, like whatever the month was, some aggression of like, I still have a paper count, like just sort of ripping that thing off and being like, Ooh, here's a, here's a new one. And the other thing that I like about New Year's is I like that it's in the middle, like it's in the middle of winter. Like, it's not like, uh, you know, hey, it's, it was, uh, you know, summer and now it's fall. Like, it's not the change of a season. It's just right in the middle. Like, the temperature one day is the same as it was the next, and that the new year starts in the middle of that. It's not, it's not any more light than it was the day before. It's just right in the middle. Because I, and I think that really resonates with me because sometimes I need, a, I need to start over when I'm in the middle. Sometimes I'm, I, you know, I'm sort of down the road a little bit, and it's at that point that I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm, I, need to, I, need, I need to start over. Like, like when you're in the uh, start of a, a new sermon in a new year, and you're on mute, and you're like, I, I, I just want to start that over. My sense, I'm not the only one, my sense is that I'm not the only one who, who, for whom that's the case. And so this new year, there really does hold a lot of, a lot of hope and, and possibility 
not just in the, sort of the turning of a calendar, but what that it can mean for us and what it can mean for us individually and what it can mean for, for our world. Um, it's, it, it is a new year, but it's not just a new year, it's also a new decade, and I know for some of you, you're like, no, the decade starts on the 21, not the 2020. I, I get it, but, you know, some numbers changed. We're just going to call it a decade and start now, okay? So <laughs> don't at me about that. So, so, we're in a, so we're in a new decade. I was driving, I took the kids, we went to go see a movie earlier this week, and um, we were talking about, so here we are, 2020, 10 years from now, where, where will we be? And so I had this conversation with the kids, and I said, let's make some predictions, kiddos, because 10 years from now, Nathan's going to be 24, (sighs) right? My middle kid's going to be 21, yikes, Annalise will be 18, I'm going to be 55, God help me. Like, so I said, here's what we're going to do, let's just make some predictions, like not necessarily goal, and we'll get to the goals in a minute, but let's just make some predictions, where do you, where do you think we're going to be in 2030? We'll write these down, put them in an envelope, we're going to save them for the next 10 years, and then 2030 we're going to open these bad boys up. So these are some of the questions that we ask, ask them how many countries do you think that you'll visit over the course of, of the next 10 years? The median answer was three from the kids. They think they're going to visit three countries uh, over the course of the next 10 years. How many states will you, will you visit? That was one. You can sort of add it up. Okay, there's 50 of them. So I probably, I'm probably not going to visit like <laughs> North Dakota. I mean, I don't know what they're not going to, I'm not going to go there. So they just sort of whittled it down. I asked, will you be living in Washington, D.C. in 2030? That was one of the ones. Two out of the three said yes. Uh, I won't say who said that they wouldn't. <laughs> um, will any of your siblings be married, and if so, who? Um, my daughter said, absolutely not. Dad, I will be living with you, which was question number five. Will you still be living with mom and dad? Um, and then some other questions that we sort of kind of danced around a little bit is, uh, what do you think is going to be the biggest change um, in society? Uh, what's something that you want to accomplish in the next 10 years? There were different answers at different points. Um, and, then, and then any sort of dreams that you may have. What, what are you hoping for? I think, I think what's, what's really interesting about sort of standing in this place in January of 2020 is that there is a sense of, of newness, that, that there's a kind of a, a, I don't know, a wiped cleanness to it. That I haven't, you know, my calendars, my journals are still blank a little bit. And so it's, it's a season to, to dream and a season to, to consider and when we're on the front end of something like this, it's, I mean, it's, it just sort of invites us and, and begs us to consider what pursuits are, are ahead for us. What, what dreams might we consider? What accomplishments might we want to lay hold of? And, and I suspect that, that you have some uh, dreams and goals similar. Like even seeing that list, there are probably places that you want to go and uh, things that you hope to do, careers that maybe you want to start or restart or finish. Uh, relationships that you hope will be mended in this decade. And, and I think the, the grandest one or the biggest one perhaps is, is who do you want to become in 2020, this over the course of this next decade? Perhaps another way to say all of this, what pursuits or what accomplishments or what sort of tasks do you want to run towards is this, what, uh, what will you love this year? What will you love this decade? What we pursue, what we set our sights on, what we order our lives around, well, well those are our, our loves. All other pursuits, though, for us as those that follow Jesus, all other pursuits and all other, all other loves, they, they are to come under the sway and under the governance of a greater pursuit of Jesus. 
As author James K.A. Smith writes in his book, You Are What You Love, he says, Jesus is a teacher who doesn't just inform our intellectual forms, but our very loves. He isn't content to simply deposit new ideas in our minds. He is after nothing less than your wants, your loves, your, your longings. As we stand at, at this point, looking um, sort of into 2020 and the decade beyond, it's right for us to say, what are the things that I intend to love this year or this decade? And what I want to say is, you can imagine your pastor saying to you, is, is that my ache and my hope for you and for me is that what we cultivate is that we grow our relationship with God, that, that, you, that you pursue your love of God. And from that great grand pursuit, that you find satisfaction in all other pursuits. From that great love that you find satisfaction in all other loves. From that focus on pursuing and loving Jesus, then that would inform where you go. That that would inform the things that you do. That that would inform the, vo- the vocations that you step into or out of. That it would inform how relationships are held together by God but stewarded by us. And ultimately, you're, you're, that you would locate your identity in Jesus. And that that would free you to pursue uh, what God has placed in your heart. The, the, those, those passions, those vocations, those, uh, those adventures that are there, that that would inform how you move forward. So look forward into the new year and, to the, and into the new decade with the right focus on Jesus. Um, the, the wise men that we read about uh, in Matthew 2, the, the Magi, they knew something about setting one's direction and about pursuing the right love and sustaining the right love. Today in the Christian calendar is a day that Justin referenced. It's, it's the day of Epiphany. And this is um, often identified more in liturgical calendars or Catholic calendars. And Epiphany, just a brief overview of it, it's, uh, it is the day that's the 12 days after Christmas. This should sort of ring some bells for us. You, you know the song? You, you, on the first day of Christmas. Perfect, great, yeah, you guys, you guys know it. You guys are solid, well done. Uh, so there's, the song, there's also the play, the Shakespeare play, Twelfth Night, um, which is set on the day of Epiphany, 12 days after Christmas. And uh, historically, this is quite a, a, a tremendous celebration. Um, and Lisa's family is originally from Cuba, and, and in many parts of Latin America, this, this day of Epiphany, the Three Kings Day, is, is actually celebrated far more than Christmas Day is. And the reason is because it's the day that marks, um, that is celebrated as the day when the wise men, the, the magi, those that, that uh, came from the east, traveled and uh, found Jesus. When they arrived to present their gifts uh, to Jesus. Epiphany means manifestation in Latin. And it's a celebration of when God was made manifest in the person of Jesus, not just to, to the Jewish people of Israel, but to the world to the Gentiles, to the non-Jewish world. Because the, 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 the Magi, they, none of them had a Jewish background. They all had pagan backgrounds. And yet what this day celebrates is the arrival of these Gentile Magi and the cue to all of us that the redemptive story of God was ever and always a global story. That it was never for one particular group or one particular ethnicity, but that the missionary move of God was always to encompass all peoples. 
And so that's what Epiphany is. That's why we celebrate this song that you either love or hate about partridges and pear trees and five golden rings. These are the gifts that were brought to Jesus. We actually don't know um, how many magi or kings there were that came. We, we say that there's three, and then there's the song that says that there's three, but the scriptures don't actually identify the number. It does identify the gifts, that there are three distinct gifts that these magi brought. Uh, one is that they brought gold. Gold is, to, is, is a gift that you would bring to honor a king. And so they brought this gift because they believed that they were coming to visit the birth of a new king. The other was frankincense. This was, a, this was a, like an incense that was burned during worship in synagogues. It was, a, it was a gift that was brought in order to worship someone. And then they brought myrrh. Myrrh was an oil that was used in ceremonial burials. These gifts, these three distinct gifts that these magi brought, they're prophetic gifts that would identify the ways that Jesus would live and move and what his own sacrifice would be for the world. As we, consider these, as we consider both the things that we'll pursue in 2020 and in the decade ahead, the things that, that we will love in this new year, I believe that there are lessons, there's, there's instructions, there's cues that we can get, there's wisdom that we can get from these wise men. The, the, the things that we can see in the, in the pursuits and in the lives of the Magi, even in these 12 verses, that can inform us as we move into this year. Because the thing is, we, we like these magi, we, we seek to pursue Christ this year. We seek to love Jesus this year. And so there's some things that we'll actually need to do if we're going to pursue this great love. I am indebted and grateful to a pastor friend of mine in Memphis, Greg Gibson, for helping me see much of this. In Matthew 2, what, one of the first things that we see is that we will actually have to run after the things that we love. We'll actually have to run after them. If we are to pursue Christ faithfully, if we're to pursue the goals that Jesus has placed in our hearts, the passions and pursuits that we sense are from the Lord, then we're going to have to run after them. The first thing that the Magi might say to us is say, take off, go. Now, I know some of you are thinking, great, perfect. So you want me to go like down to like the running store, get some, you know, and take up a new, a new habit. That's not, I'm not saying like, you know, get the app, like couch to marathon app or whatever, whatever it is. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying that, but what I am saying is that there's movement that's going to have to happen in your mind, in your life. There are things that you're going to have to run towards, and then there's things you're going to have to run from. Let me show you what I mean. In verse 1 of uh, Matthew chapter 2, um, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. And asking, the Magi asking, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. Now, these, uh, the Magi, they're from the east. The scriptures don't say the specific areas or the exact locations where they're from. But tradition tells us a few different places where they could have been from or may have been from. One is from Persia. One is from Ethiopia. Sometimes it's represented that they're from parts of Europe or parts of Asia. Wherever it is, they're not from Jerusalem. They had to travel. They had to, they had to make a plan. It, was, it wasn't an easy trek. They weren't just like, hey, I'm crossing the street and let me go and meet this new king. They actually had to, they had to get themselves together. They had a goal. We're going to go find this king. They had to have a plan to put together. And then the other thing that they had to do is they traveled together. They traveled in community. They set a goal. They set a plan. They traveled in community. Now, 
over the holidays, my fam- we went to Florida. We drove. That's, it's, it's, that's, how, it's I-95, which is like, you know, in terms of like tragic roads, there's like, you know, the road that the Samaritan was on when he found the guy, and then there's like I-95. <laughs> like it's those two. So that's, but we had, to, we had to go there. We had to make a plan. While we're on the road, you know, Google tells me, hey, this is going to, you thought it was going to take you like an hour to get to your next thing. It's now going to take you 37 hours. But if you take this other, you know, you got to have this other plan. You got to have plan B if you're going to do I-95. So we got to go all 301. We got to go through La Plata, which is a long way around. But you're avoiding this other thing, the dangers of, I. you got to have a plan. You got to hold it loosely, but you got to have a plan. You don't just be like, I'm going to Florida, I don't know. How maybe is there gas in the car? I don't know. Should we pack? I, just what? Just kids get in the car. We'll figure it out. Like you have a plan. Because we're going to Florida. But then, I, like, I'm not going by myself. Because, like, you know, I gotta get there, and I can't be stopping every time I get tired. Because I get tired fast. Like I run out of podcasts to listen to. Listen to all the Christ City ones, and then I'm like, I'm listening to them again. I'm like, okay, I get it. You gotta. But no, I've, I'm. You know, my kids are there. We've got audio books. I'm like, hey, Lisa, tag, you're it. Like, let's swap. Because it's, it's, it's easier to travel when, when you're in community. Thing is, whatever it is that you sense that God is beckoning you towards in 2019, 2020, friends, you've, you, you've got to have a plan. You can't just say, here's my goal, and I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I'm just going just to blast off. Um. One of the things, one of the tools that we've used at different points just to make a plug about this is the Spires plan. It's under resources on our website, just a way for you to help organize your life and think through what are the goals, what are the pursuits, how do I cultivate love of Christ in my life this year as I pursue these other pursuits of family and vocation and spirituality and how do I live in my body well? But you gotta have a plan. The thing is that the, the, the Magi, they traveled in, in community. You know the saying, if you want to go fast, go by yourself. If you want to go far, go with others. It's true with the year ahead. Small groups are going to start in a week or so. That's, that's really where the spiritual formation in the life of Christ City, where it happens. And, and, and I really, I can't stress this enough for every single one of us to be in a small group. And look, I know you sort of, if you've not been in one, you walk in, you're like, I'm going to somebody's house. I don't know these folks. Some of them are strangers. Some of them I know, and oh, they're here. I didn't know that they were going to be here. I'm not sure that I want to be here. If they're here, like chemistry in a small group is important, but it's not more important than pursuing life with Christ. So step into a small group. Be surrounded by people that are committed to your growth in Christ and the pursuits that God has placed in your soul. Surround yourself with those folks. There are things that, if we are going to pursue love of Christ, that we have to run towards. We have to pursue Christ. We have to pursue beauty. We have to pursue life. There are things for us to run towards, but there are also things for us to run from. Later in the chapter, in verse 12, And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. 
Herod was, he was the ruler of, uh, of Jerusalem and of Israel at that time. He was put in place by, uh, by the Roman occupiers. He was a wicked man. Not long after that, when the Magi show up and they say there's a new king born, then Herod then orders the killing of all of the male children in the region. So the Magi say, well, we're not, we're not going to go back to that guy. He has our destruction in mind. So they, w- they went by another route. There's some things in your life that you actually need to run from. There are things that intend your harm, that intend your, your dismantling, friends. And you need to flee those things. Sins that have shackled you, habits that are malforming you, patterns of thinking or belief or living that just need to be shed. Leave that in 2019. Lock that in the dungeon. And run from those things so that you can pursue Christ more fully and more faithfully. One of my favorite passages is Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses traveling in community, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run, run towards something, run from something with perseverance, the race that's marked out for us. What are are we running towards? Fixing our eyes on Jesus, verse 2, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now listen, what running from can look like in your life, it can look like guardrails, protections that you, hedges that you build around yourself so that you can walk in the paths of faithfulness and righteousness and purity and justice and compassion so that so the fruit, the, the, the soil that the fruit of the Spirit need to emerge from, it can look like guardrails, it can look like accountability, folks that know you and that love you regardless of how amazing you are or how tragic you are, that they just love you for you. And then also it can look like eliminating things that, that keep you from running or keep you from pursuing. Sometimes I mean, there may be relationships or habits or uh, even ways of thinking that what does it look like for you to shed yourself of those things? Over the holidays, I was with uh, my brother-in-law, Mark Ford, and Mark was, uh, we were talking about just things in the world. We were talking about polarization in the world. We were talking about politics. We were talking about just hopes and dreams for our kids and for ourselves. And he said this thing to me. Uh, we were asking him, I was talking to him about the news, actually, and he said, you know, I, I've actually stopped watching national news. I just sort of clue in on my local stuff, and then I figure out the stuff around the world. And he said, I said, well, tell me more about that, because <laughs> I've done the opposite of that, actually. Um, and he said, I, j- I just didn't like how it was making me feel about those that I disagree with. I didn't like what it was doing to me. See, see there was something that was that's more important for Mark than being up to date or in tuned or in the know. And it was the ways that he was being shaped or misshaped. And so he said, let me eliminate those things so that I can pursue Christ more fully and faithfully. Now, let me tell you one thing, though, because as soon as I say, you know, there are some things you need to run from. Some of you are like, no, I'm good. I can resist. I don't need to run. Like I can, you know, I can uh, sort of jujitsu things that come at me what I want to say to you is that running is not weakness that running is not a sign of your weakness what running is is it's a grace it's it's a mercy it it is a sign of love it's a sign of care to to guard yourself and to protect yourself it can be a sign of love to say no to certain things and certain relationships or certain habits and say yes to others 
that running is not a weakness. It's a grace, and it's a sign of love. I think what the wise men would say to us is that there are some things you need to run towards and run from. I think the other thing that the wise man would say to us is that there are some things that you need to fight and that you need to endure. Verse 7. After, verse nine, after they had heard the king, uh, then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and as soon as you find him, then report to me so that I too may go and worship him. A little deception happening there. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasures and presented him with the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So just for a minute, you have to kind of put yourself, I don't know, I mean, we sort of imagine the Magi sort of making this travel on camels. Don't know if that's how they traveled or what they were in, but we'll just go with the imagery for a minute. I don't want to dismantle all of what you think about the Magi right now. But just say, so they make this trek from wherever they are. They finally arrive in Jerusalem because they think that's where kings will be born. They'll be born in the capital. They make their way into Jerusalem, and they're saying, hey, we hear there's a, there's a king that's born here. Herod calls the, 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 the prophets together, and they say, well, now, there's a king. Where is it to be born? The prophets say, it's actually in Bethlehem. Magi are like, Bethlehem, we just made all this way to Jerusalem. We thought it was here. It's been a long journey. We'd like to just sort of be here for a minute we've got some gifts got all this gear we've been carrying and he's like yeah it's not here it's actually over on this other place and in the middle of that they realize ah oh, some deceptions kind of happening this this guy's not really kind of speaking straight way to us we got to keep our eye on him now they got to pack all their stuff back up make their way to Bethlehem got to keep going back on the camels each step another step another place another challenge and I got to tell you there's nothing worse than the last 20 percent of any journey or any task I'm in the middle of like remodeling a bathroom in my basement and we're 80% there and I'm like, I don't know, I feel like the sheetrock look is in. You know, like I'm just, <laughs> can we stop? Last steps can be the hardest. So you guys know I'm a, I'm a bit of a boxing fan. Whenever there's, a, whenever there's a championship belt on the line, it's a 12-round fight and they call the championship rounds. Rounds 10, 11, and 12. You don't win the championship in round two. The last steps. It's where you have to dig. It's where you have heart. Over the summer, Nathan and I went, um, went, went hiking in Alaska. and We're on the Denali Ridge, and we, um, we know we have to sort of, uh, there's some elevation gain that we have to take. Uh, and we know that we're not, it's not going to be kind of straight up. You know, there's going to be some, some parts where we got to kind of dig in, we got to get to sort of this, this peak and, you know, sort of a semi-summit, and then we see the rest of the summer, we're like, okay, cool, we're going to go here a little bit, and then kind of kind of regroup, and then we'll sort of the last hike up, and we came up to this one ridge, and uh, it, was, it was not the, the, the summit that we were trying to make, but it was close, and we're there, and I'm like, oh, dude, it's right, we're, we're golden, and then we get there, and then once we get to the edge, I realize, oh, no, we can't, this doesn't go straight or flat, this actually goes down, and it doesn't just go down, some sort of creativity of God decided, not only is it just going to be like down into a meadow, but I'm going to make boulders 
that you will have to scramble over for 150, 200 yards while you're going down so that then you can go back up to the summit because sometimes you have to go down before you go up. Sometimes it's not just straight way. It's not just, hey, let me just kind of push through. Sometimes you have to go down before you go up. There's some things that you will just have to fight or that you will have to endure. James Spider Martin is a photographer from Birmingham, Alabama. He was a photographer for the Birmingham News. I do not know how he acquired the name Spider, but from this point forward, I will call him Spider because that's what his friends called him. And I like to think if he were alive today, I would be a friend of his, so I would call him Spider. Spider was a photographer for the Birmingham News in 1965. He captured poignant and powerful images of the Bloody Sunday riots in Selma. Of, of his, it was of his images as a reporter with the Birmingham News that Dr. King actually said, Spider, the whole world saw your pictures. And that's why the Voting Rights Act passed. Dr. King said this about Spider Martin in 1965. One of the images that Spider-Martin captured was of the bruised and blistered feet of a Montgomery resident during the Montgomery bus boycott. And when he printed the picture, he wrote a quote on the bottom of it. And what's written at the bottom, you, you might not be able to see it quite clearly, but what he wrote is, my feet is tired, but my soul is rested. The quote isn't actually from Spider-Martin, but it's actually from Mother Pollard. Mother Pollard was an elder at Dexter Avenue Baptist Church in Montgomery. She was 72 years old when the bus boycott began. And after months of the boycott, Dr. King looked at Mother Pollard, who had often been the pastor to Dr. King. And he said, you know, he could see the elderly sort of bearing up under the weight of this boycott. And he said to her, Mother Pollard, why don't you just take the bus every now and then? It wasn't easy at their age to walk as they were. And it was at that point that Mother Pollard replied to Dr. King, my feet are tired, but my soul is rested. We'll keep up the boycott. A boycott that ended up lasting over a year in this past December marked the 64th year of the end of the Montgomery bus boycotts. We have started 2020, and it is not going well. Australia is on fire. Four million hectares have burned all, uh, an amount that would cover the entire southern part of the country of England. Just to put it in perspective, it's almost four times larger than either the California fires or the fires that were in, in, in the Amazon. They're so tall, they have turned the sky red in the country. There are drumbeats of war, there's escalations in the Middle East and U.S. troop deployments, as many of you have seen if you've been at the airport recently. It's, it's not the best start. But friends, we will continue to pray for peace. We will continue to fight for justice and display compassion to provide care, to proclaim the gospel. And in our living, in our protesting, and in our prophesying, we are pointing ourselves and our world to the day when God's kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven because there are things to which Christ calls us towards and urges us to be about. And so when you reach the semi-summit, and you're like, I have to hike down into a ditch of rocks 
Don't despair. Continue to fight and continue to endure. I think the last thing that the Magi would commend to us is that we would wait. Is that we wait. In Luke 2, verse 4, the Scriptures commend this to us. When he had called together all that this is Herod, when Herod had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judah, they replied, for this is what the prophets, this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people. When Herod called the teachers together, and they said, this is what the prophet says. What they're referring to is a prophecy out of Malachi. Malachi's prophecy was that a future ruler would emerge from Bethlehem. But Malachi's prophecy was 700 years prior to Christ's birth. Malachi was a contemporary of Isaiah and Amos. And he was writing in 700 B.C. We touched on this theme of waiting and anticipation in our Advent series, so I, I won't belabor it this year. But again, just to remind you, the, uh, the words from author Justin Early, we have to learn to wait. We have to learn to be present, to, to look around us at all of the people with their stories and their lives just as real and as beautiful and as painful as ours, and to be present in the waiting. Not to distract ourselves or to hurry our way through it, but some times we have to wait. We have to learn to wait and learn to long and learn to remember that all of creation waits for the king to return. The Magi waited. The earth waited. The people of God waited and groaned because the things that we love, well, we wait for those things, for our loved ones to return. for reunion, for healing, for affirmation, for truth, for a new season of our favorite show. We wait for love. We wait for Christ. And dear friends, he is not slow in keeping his promises to us. In your pursuits, friends, and you're, and you're loving this year, and you're loving of Christ and of the passions that he has put in you and the things he has put in front of you. Run. Run towards Christ and away from that which would distract. Fight for the love of Christ and the love he's deposited into your soul. Wait for love, not in a passive nonchalance, but in an active being present in each moment until arrival. And let this year, this decade, be one for the ages. And that you love well and run well and fight well and endure well and wait well for the glory of God. Let me pray for us. King of kings, Lord of lords, you, you, the one to whom your children call and cry and trust and hope and lean and rest, the one we love and 
the one who first loved us, the one who first moved towards us, the one who, whose affections were stirred first for us. To that, God, we pray. That here, as we stand at the front end of a new year and a new decade, the new season, it's, it's, in some ways it's just another day, but it's a new one. Spirit of God, I pray that you would stir in us, that you would move in us, that you would, that you would be tender with us in, in reorienting our loves towards you so that the other loves that we have may find full fruition, may find full flourishing, because they emanate out of a, a right ordering, a right setting of our priorities around you and upon you and in you, Lord Jesus. Lord, some of us, we've, we've, uh, we've worked at it our, our, our own way. We need to be, a, be brought to a place of conviction and repentance, a, a place of turning around and of resetting and of confessing that we've, we've just tried to do it on our own. A place of surrendering that, those efforts and embracing life with you. God, others of us, we just need to be reminded that you are a God of grace and of mercy and of love and that you love us just as we are. We don't, know, we don't need to make any New Year's changes. We just need to experience the delight of our Heavenly Father. Lord, whatever it is that you're stirring in us, whatever it is you want us to capture in this in these first moments of a new season and a new year, God, I pray that we, that, we would take, that we would take even just this moment to hear it, to surrender to it, to acknowledge it, to, to, to seal it in prayer and of affirmation. So God, I lift these friends up to you, God. I pray that you would stir them, that you would move them to take the first next steps in faith and in life and in loving you. I pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.